0: This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. We are recording this March 30th, 2021. Very excited about this episode. Luke, say what's up.
1: How's it going, guys?
0: And we are joined by Josh Robbins of The Athletic, covers the Orlando Magic for The Athletic. Josh, how are you doing? Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Thanks for asking
0: me. Yeah, absolutely. So we're recording this um, 9 o'clock Eastern, uh, about an hour uh, before the Magic are set to tip off against the Los Angeles Clippers tonight. Uh, They lost, uh, what was that, Sunday night now against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, So we'll be recording this, and then uh, we'll be watching the game. Josh will be watching the game. It's set to be probably a, a longer night uh, for all of us with these uh, with these West Coast road trips, so uh, Josh, one of the first things that we wanted to to ask you so much has been made, obviously and understandably, about the deals that the Magic made uh, the past week. You know, trading Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, as well. Um, what Luke and I are really interested in, and what we haven't really heard uh, too much perspective on, it is kind of the human element. Um, you know that that it's involved with these deals. So. First, we wanted to ask you about Evan Fournier. So, first of all, um, just thank you for the way that that you ask questions and the way that you pose these questions to athletes. Obviously, you know, high uh, intensity situations, possibly being traded away. There's a lot of emotion that's involved. Um, so, the way that you pose the questions to the athletes, it, just really appreciate that. You can tell that you're empathetic to to what they're they're uh, they're going through. But can you just talk about um, you know the the way that Evan? answered that question about potentially leaving Orlando and just you you alluded on the Orlando Magic UK podcast that you you got to see a side of Evan over the years that that most fans haven't and Evan is a guy who in my opinion was really unappreciated in his time with the Magic so can you just speak a little bit about that you know the the side of Evan for that you got to see that that fans uh, really didn't get to see
1: well I think he's a good teammate I think he's a far better teammate then people would assume that he is. The way that he plays, taking a lot of shots, a high usage player, relatively low assists up until this year, uh, contradicts the, the type of, of teammate he is. You know, Mo Bamba once said that Evan's the heart and soul of the team. Uh, so what I saw with Evan Fournier over the course of seven years is someone who was always accountable for how he played, someone who was Uh, always uh, available win or lose. And uh, someone who really did love Central Florida and I think continues to love Central Florida. Uh, That's the person I saw over seven years.
2: Yeah, and that was something that, you know, Jonathan and I had put together some tribute videos for players once they got traded and put them out. And we put one out for Vooch. And in that video, um, I told Jonathan, the part that I love the most didn't really even involve Vooch. It was when they had, when we, you know, Orlando had clinched in Boston, and Dante said, Do you guys have any idea how lit the Amway is going to be that you're bringing them to the postseason? And Evan just lit up immediately and was just like, I guess we'll see, man. I guess we'll see. And then he immediately hugged Vooch. And that just kind of speaks to um, how great of a teammate, you know, Evan was for the locker room and for the chemistry. And, you know, like Mo was saying, that he's the heart and soul of the team. And that clip really kind of encapsulates who Evan is. Um, in my opinion, and I, you know, had, didn't get to spend much time at all around Evan or get to know the person that he is, but from what you're saying and the clips that I've seen of him and his like human element, and then talking about Orlando, I think that really kind of showed who Evan is. And there's another thing that, you know, that another question you asked Vooch, um, that really showed who he he is as well. Um, and of course, I'm referring to when you were on, you know, the introductory press conference with, with Vooch in Chicago. Um, one thing that I've always heard is as a reporter, you ask a question, usually knowing what direction you want the answer to come, um, because you're writing a specific piece or you, you want this or you want that. Did you think, you know, you obviously asked Vooch that question um, in the introductory press conference, knowing that, that he was going to say good things about Orlando and the organization. Did you know just how emotional Vooch would get in that situation and really revealing a, an incredibly awesome human side to him in that moment?
1: I'd, re- I'd rephrase a couple of your comments just to say, I ask questions in a way to address a particular topic, not necessarily to, mm. uh, and certainly to elicit an answer about a subject matter, but not necessarily a specific answer. Right. Uh, so it would be somewhere in the ballpark about his feelings of Orlando, mm-hmm. about Orlando, but I had no idea yeah. that he would it was going to respond like that. I've never seen mm. a moment like that in a press conference that I attended. I think, I think we all remember at some point in our lives, press conferences where the person on the dais or in this case, having the Zoom microphone, you know, camera on them, mm. where they broke down, I'd never been a part of one of those, and I, I certainly did not expect him to be emotional in that sense. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I asked the question, I, I think I even qualified it to say, "Your sadness to leave Orlando, if any exists." Mm. Uh, so I was stunned by it to the degree that. Um, I was worried afterward that my mouth was going to be, you know, wide open as, you know, in surprise. Right. I could like, <laughs> like this um, as he was uh, uh, choking back tears because I, I, that was the last thing I expected. And his reaction was, was obviously from the heart because if it wasn't, he'd be a better actor than he is a basketball player. He, he would yeah. be in the wrong profession if that were the case. It, Absolutely. Um, it's a long winded answer for you, Luke. I apologize that I'm going on and on. I just didn't. Um, I was talking about this with my friends, uh, Darnell Mayberry of the athletic and Casey Johnson of NBC sports, Chicago, who are now covering. Pooch. Um, and. And uh, I, I, as I mentioned them. It just it just stunned me the moment just stunned me and even the the Fournier moment that jonathan mentioned after the last game they all played together that was a powerful moment it was and i wasn't quite expecting that either but um I, they both have worn their emotions on this issue on their sleeve i just didn't they had just never been that emotional about it before
0: so one thing I will say, Josh, is, is don't worry about being long-winded. First of all, Luke and myself are two of the, most, the biggest windbags <laughs> that you could maybe not hope to meet, but that you could meet. Um, and we definitely, you know, one of the things that I respect about you the most um, is that a lot of the times you, you try to keep your own opinions out of the matter. However, I can tell you, and I hope I speak for a lot of Magic fans, is, you know, when, when you follow a, a team the way that we do and, and you uh, pay attention to the articles that someone like yourself writes as much as we do. Um, we we want to know more about Josh Robbins. You know what I mean? We, we want to hear more of that. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I wanted to follow up on the question that, that Luke asked um, and, and, and you kind of already answered this, but I just wanted to ask, was there any part of you that, that got emotional from Vooch's response? Cause I just feel like it's almost impossible to watch that and, and not feel something, especially you've covered these guys for so long.
1: You know, things have been going so at such a rate since Thursday morning. And even before that, um, I've gotten very little sleep, uh, this <laughs> last week. Um, and I didn't even have it that rough. Okay. Um, that I haven't really had much of a chance to, to process all this mm. and to think about, about that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I my response, as Vooch was answering the question, was kind of emotional. I kind of, kind of felt guilty, yep. in a way, um, that my question made him tear up. Right. Uh, that's not an everyday happening for me, where I do something or say something uh, that makes someone tear up. Uh, so that that I kind of felt a little bit guilty for a moment, but. Again, that wasn't the intention of of the question to make someone um, emotional to that degree.
2: Do you think, Josh, that you know you said just now, like that you haven't really had time to think about what that moment really meant to you personally, um, as much as maybe you would if you weren't going a million miles an hour? Do you think that that maybe you know, and we don't know, but maybe that was the first time that got to reflect about his time in Orlando and you allowed him to do that. And, and that kind of opened the podium for him to have that moment um, in Chicago.
1: Well, certainly the question being asked gave him a chance to say uh, whatever it was he wanted to say in that moment. I'm, I'm certain, quite certain that that he and Evan and Aaron Gordon, all of the, people who are in a city for all the players who are in a city for a long period of time, think about, Oh, what, how would my life be different if I were somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Uh, They wouldn't be human if that were um, not the case. And in Vucevic's case, I'm certain that he looked at the way the magic were going and wondering, well, two year, two full seasons from now, would it make sense for me to stay here, even though I love it here? Uh, No doubt. Evan Fournier was, Thinking about this because he's going to be a free agent. Aaron Gordon was thinking about it quite clearly because he requested a trade. Uh, so uh, the answer gave him a chance to express his feelings for sure. But I don't think, and as Vooch said to me in a subsequent comment, he didn't expect it to be that emotional. He actually knew something along those lines were, was coming at some point I suspect the Bulls told him, "Hey, that Robbins guy—he's going to be on this call. <laughs> you know, don't be surprised." Right. Um, but no, I—I I, he did not expect that reaction from himself.
0: So I think um, you know, all of us, you know, uh, we're we're really waiting and, and looking forward to seeing the inter- introductory press conference of. Fuchs and and Aaron and Evan, although I don't think we've really gotten much of one from the Celtics uh, with with Evan. And again, he he really had a rough start to his his Celtics career last night. So I don't know that we're going to get the kind of, um, you know, introspective, uh, you know, um, comments on on the magic at this point from him, but he, he kind of already gave them before he was traded. But the thing that was so jarring to me, again, we were looking for these interviews, you know, we had heard that Vooch's you know, response to, to your question was really emotional, but I think watching that interview in its entirety, it's about 16 minutes, just how composed he was, you know, the, the same old Vooch that we've seen for nine years, and then at the very end, he gets to your question and just how quickly he got emotional. I mean, he didn't seem to break at all during the first 13 or 14 minutes of that interview. And then just as, as quickly as you kind of came in and asked that question, the, the amount of emotion that, that came out of him, just it felt good because when guys leave and, and as fans were sad to know that, you know, he did have those elements of sadness, you know, like you had asked about. So that was, uh, that was really good to see that. And, and Josh, again, thank you for asking those questions. Um, I think I want to take this as an opportunity. This is just, it's really been a really sad week. So we want to kind of get away from that a little bit. Uh, we want to talk about the new direction that the Magic are taking. Um, obviously, as sad as this week is, there are things to look forward to. You know, it's, it is, it is as Jeff Weltman said, an exciting day to be an Orlando Magic fan. That's kind of become like a meme uh, on Twitter, on Magic Twitter now. Um, can you just talk a, a little bit about that? You know, your, your thoughts on obviously what we gave up and you shared some of those thoughts on the Orlando Magic UK podcast. If you guys haven't listened to that, I definitely would uh, encourage you to go listen to that because Josh kind of. Um, laid out his feelings on, you know, the Vuce trade and, and whether or not this was the right time to, to move him now. But um, can you just talk about uh, perhaps your, your level of, I don't know if confidence is the right word um, in the front office now that we're restarting this rebuild, um, but, but kind of what are, what are your thoughts on, on the, the team's direction that they've, they've chosen to, to strike out on, as uh, Jeff Weltman said?
1: Well, I interviewed Jeff Weltman uh, a couple of days ago one-on-one and I concur with the way he described it. He said, uh, this is a chance to, to have a higher ceiling on the team and yet also a lower floor for the team. These draft picks don't, A, if they don't get good picks in terms of their position in the draft, they're in, probably in trouble um, with some exceptions being possible if they draft the wrong person, uh, they're in trouble. Uh, Yeah, if you you look at, I'm not suggesting that they're going to bottom out and do it so uh, shamelessly as the Philadelphia 76ers. But one thing that is applicable here is that, all right, the Sixers did wind up with Joel Embiid. They wound up with Ben Simmons, who were franchise-changing players. But... They had six, five, six, maybe seven bites of the apple of an early pick, lottery pick, and only, what, two of them really came up aces? The draft is a crapshoot. I don't care how talented you are in the front office, and the Magic front office does have talented people in it. No one's going to be perfect. So uh, I, I would hope that fans do... See, yes, this is a. This could be like uh, if you're playing roulette, where you put however many chips down on a specific number. Mm-hmm. You know, the anticipation up until that that marble stops, you're you're thinking great things. I think that's similar here. Uh, and then when the marble does stop and it's not on wherever you placed your your cash, well, that's also a possibility here. Yeah. I I know I sound like. You know, in the old uh, 1950 sitcoms, which I don't watch much, but I did when I was um, homesick sick from, from school and we didn't have cable um, in the days, you know, I think the phrase wet blanket, you know, someone who's like a real downer, like a Debbie Downer, really. Mm-hmm. I'm sounding like a Debbie Downer, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't explain the risks.
2: Yeah. And there definitely is risk with the draft lottery. And, and Josh, you know. I wanted to know, just personally, is there a, a guy, March Madness obviously is going on right now. Evan Mobley, unfortunately, is night, unless something has drastically changed, has come to an end with Gonzaga um, continuing their streak um, of being undefeated. Um, is there a guy in that you know top four or five pick range that you're looking at, and are you as high on Cade Cunningham as everyone else is, that he is the number one overall pick, no matter what, in a, in a lot of mock drafts? Is there, And if not, is there a guy that you're looking at for the Magic in that range if the Magic don't get the first pick?
1: Well, I'm trying to watch them all, or I have tried to watch them all. I try to watch, in particular, Jalen Green during the G League, mm-hmm. and he looked rather impressive to me. Uh, it's so hard to project all of these, these players uh, Evan Mobley obviously is a is a real talent, but he's thinner than a bean pole. You know, <laughs> if if he were to be out there and playing against a Joel Embiid right now, he'd be thrown all over the place. Uh, that's no knock against Evan Mobley. He's he's in he's a freshman in college. He's raw, yeah. Cade uh, Cunningham is someone I've watched more than anyone else, and I'm uh, at this stage not impressed. Uh, I mean, I see I see. Tremendous upside, 6'8, uh, smart plays at a pace that works for him. He's no, he's playing with, he was playing with teammates who are not NBA players. So it's very tough to see how he'll be when he's at his, when he's playing in the NBA. But I am a little bit concerned about how he does not take over games in the first halves of games. It seems like his energy waxes and wanes, uh, it, it's That would just intrigue me if I were an NBA front office person. I still am very much cognizant of the fact that all the people who really know what they're talking about in terms of draft prospects say he's, he's number one. He's number one. Uh, but just from watching them play, uh, right now, Jalen Suggs is a little bit more impressive to me. Knowing again that he's playing with a much better set of teammates who are much more in tune and much more cohesive uh, at Gonzaga than who Cade Cunningham is playing with at at Oklahoma State.
2: Yeah, and I think that's a big part of of Cade and where it's a little different than usual because now that you have this G League dynamic, you have you know guys like Jalen Green who are and Jonathan Kuminga and all those guys who are playing with NBA veterans. I mean, you've got them playing with and against them and also guys that are still already fighting for a spot in the league. Whereas with Cade Cunningham, um, it's hard to know, like you said, because he's not playing with NBA talent. Um, And you kind of the argument there is just, you know, but when Cade comes into the league and he plays in the NBA where there's more talent and there will be more spacing, it'll allow his numbers to pop a little bit and, and him to show who he is. Do you think that Cade Cunningham? It's fair. It would be fair to say um, that maybe Jalen, you know, Green and and Suggs have a higher floor than Cade because we've seen them play with, you know, professionals, whereas with Cade he might be a a little bit of a project um, in terms of, I don't know, maybe it's a motor thing in the first half or whatever it might be comparatively to these guys that you got to see for, you know, a month, two months in the, in the G league bubble, and they really got to kind of hone their skills and a rapid pace.
1: I don't know. (laughs) And if I did, if I did, I'd be one hell of a GM in the NBA if I knew for sure. Uh, So I think, I think, you have to, at some, I'm not saying you take it for gospel, but I think you have to read the room and see that Kate Cunningham does appear to be the consensus top talent in the draft according to the people who know best, which if I were suddenly plunged into some sort of GM job, which of course will never happen, nor should it, nor would I want it to be, um, I would start studying on him right away anyway, just to to try to ferret out my, uh, my initial opinions and, and try to work it through.
0: I would definitely say, Josh, that I do share your, your sentiment on Kay, that at times I wasn't incredibly impressed by what I saw. Um, the thing that, that didn't make a lot of sense to me, not only from a coaching aspect at Oklahoma State, but just the guys around him, that there were times where he would go three, four possessions without touching the ball. And what we're used to seeing out of a number one consensus overall pick in college is almost every time down the floor, they're touching the ball, they're initiating the offense. They're involved with the play in some way. And I saw too many stretches, especially the last game that they lost in the tournament um, where he just, I think it was against Oregon, if I'm not mistaken, but where Cade Cunningham just didn't touch the ball. The last, you know, two or three minutes of that game, he would go a few possessions. So, I would definitely share that sentiment with you. I do think we've seen flashes, at least from my perspective of, especially his IQ, like you spoke about, uh, but the playmaking as well. Uh, but the, the people talk about Mo Bamba's motor a whole lot, as we all know. Um, but again, the fact that he was almost hesitant to take over games until it was that moment of desperation, win or lose. If K doesn't do something, this team is, is going to go down. Um can you talk a little bit more about Jalen Green? Jalen Green is a guy who um, Luke and myself, the last few months before the team was blown up, that we saw, thought could really fit nicely next to Markell and, and Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, potentially. So can you just talk a little bit about what you saw from Jalen Green and what it was that impressed you?
1: May I say something about Kate Cunningham first? Yes, absolutely, yeah. please. So he's obviously a brilliant on-court player, and that is some of the the most difficult Uh, that's probably the most difficult skill to show off when you're playing alongside teammates who are limited and uh, so that brilliance is not necessarily going to come to the fore in a a big 12 game or even an NCAA tournament game Uh, so I'm I'm inclined to give him the benefit of the the doubt on that plus all these other teams were loading up like crazy against him to make sure that he wouldn't uh, that he couldn't beat them single-handedly, and they still, at times, failed with that. Uh, as for, as for Jalen Green, well, a dynamic player who, from everything I've been told, is an, a, a tremendous worker, uh, lots of, lots of uh, willingness to be great, to put in the effort to be great. Uh, he's an intriguing prospect to me, and uh, we have to remember, like so many... As with Evan Mowgli, just how young he is. So uh, when, when people say in the industry, this is a crapshoot, the draft is a crapshoot, they're, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're right. Uh, there's so much guesswork involved, and um, it, would be, it would behoove them to do as much research as they can to try to eliminate as many of the variables as possible so they can at least make an informed decision.
2: Yeah, and th- that's like I said, and that's just something that we're going to have to get used to with, with, the, with the G League and having the Ignite team. Um, Josh, there's been a lot of talk uh, kind of on you know, the subject of, of young guys. You mentioned how, lo- how young that Jalen Green really is. Um, you know, Do you think that you know, with the talks of them going back to the rule where you can come to the NBA out of high school, um, do you think that that changes how the G League does the, you know, the, the prospect team basically and the, you know, the G League Ignite? Um, and maybe I'm just not aware of that they've already established like, hey, when this gets, you know, turned back to what it was, where they can come out of high school, this is what we're going to do with the Ignite team and the G League. Has there been anything said about that? Because I, I haven't really paid much attention to
1: that. It's not, so, I've got my hands full so much as it is that that's not my area of focus. Right. So I wouldn't be able to give you a, a very informed answer. Yeah. Uh, except to say that the G League Ignite team is a fascinating endeavor that that threatens to to uh, to change part of the look of college basketball. Uh, to an even to continuing the trend that's been going on now for well over a decade, more than that. Uh, it's yeah. giving people an opportunity to dip their toes into professional basketball to earn uh, some kind of living and, and focus solely on basketball and improve their talents. Um, I think it's a welcome sign. I think it's a welcome opportunity for people.
2: And kind of shifting back to solely the magic, um, has there been anything with, you know, the magic, obviously the, you know, the one thing Jonathan and I have kind of gone back and forth about the past few months is are, are the magic tanking? Are they not tanking? Are, are they, are, are they going to keep Vooch? Are they not going to keep Vooch? Are they going to keep AG and Evan and all that? Obviously we know now the, the front office has made it very clear kind of the direction that they're headed. They're headed very young and we're on a journey now, once again, Um, you know, I was just curious, have you heard anything regarding, Steve Clifford um and if he is all in on this this rebuild essentially and and just kind of developing these young guys because he came into a state with the magic where he makes the playoffs his first year he had to have thought maybe we're close to you know we're closer to a championship than we are rebuilding all over again so has there been anything that you've heard um in regard to cliff
1: and and his kind of thinking of what's going on no however uh and he hasn't been very discursive in that area uh, when he's been asked about it in these press conferences, uh, primarily by me. Uh, I do think Magic fans are not, don't quite have an idea of what player development is. Mm. Uh, You know, you don't develop a player if there are no expectations of that player of meeting a professional standard, uh, yes, those players might get better in time eventually, but you're really going down the road where, oh, you know, we tried hard. You know, mm-hmm. we came pretty close tonight, at least through three quarters to winning. I'm just paraphrasing what, right. I, what I seem to recall uh, people saying uh, during the early Magic's rebuild, you know, the coat, Jock on really, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't help a young player in my mind. You know, you just don't just put a player out on the, on the court for 30-plus minutes and expect him to uh, grow. Uh, if, if they're not trying to win and being held accountable along those lines, you're just slowing their development to and potentially hampering those players for the rest of their careers. So what am I trying to get? At? I'm trying to get at that Steve Clifford very likely would be the ideal coach for a team that has a bunch of young people and needs to need to start their careers along the right way and play the right way as an NBA player should the danger though of having a Steve Clifford led coaching staff is that they're going to be good enough to eke out wins that they shouldn't win and ruin the value of your own picks, which I think as history has shown, you better have an elite pick when you're doing a rebuild. This is the, uh, these are the areas that
0: they have to reconcile. Uh, I yeah. definitely think, um, you know, the the first rebuild, there was a lot of that, of, you know, just letting guys like Victor Oladipo um, and, and Alfred Payton and, and Aaron Gordon in the early days, of just kind of throwing them out there and, and accepting, you know, turnovers and, and bad decisions, again, that those guys kind of carried over um, until Oladipo got with a guy like Russell Westbrook and even some of those bad habits we saw out of Aaron Gordon and his decision making, uh, you know, magic fans were kind of still asking him to break some of those habits. When we start talking about him trying to over dribble and and the, you know, the, the fadeaways from, you know, from the free throw line. Um, I think personally that one of the the worst things that ever happened to Aaron Gordon was Frank Vogel coming in and saying, I think this kid can be Paul George because it seems like from that point forward, Aaron Gordon has it in his mind. You know what? I can be Paul George and, and Josh, I'm not going to ask you to, to comment on whether or not that you think that's true. Um, but I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, and I think Steve Clifford is the, the kind of coach, like you said, that can keep the young guys accountable. I think where the concern is um, is really from a roster standpoint. Again, Clifford every night is going to take a look at the roster and say, okay, how can I win with these guys? And some nights that's going to be playing veterans over some of these young guys, which was obviously the, the Nikola Vucevic, Ken Bertram Obama situation. A lot of us were kind of concerned about that, but um, I'm basically saying a lot just to say that, you know, I I agree with what Josh just said. So uh, one of the last things that we wanted to ask you, Josh um, more so is a, is a question about you. So obviously with, with, with COVID-19, and the the last year, you know, um, the, uh, the availability that the media has to the players, obviously is much different now everything almost exclusively taking place over Zoom. Um, it, it's definitely been a, a, a big change for you, I would assume. So my question is really um, how you felt about the way that this season has gone. Obviously not being in the locker room, not traveling with the team. Um, are there elements of you that that missed that? And in the, the, the future, um, if we get back to the point where, reporters and everything like that are allowed to travel with the team again and and get into the locker rooms. Is that something that we can look forward to you being kind of back on the, the national beat following the team?
1: Well, just to clarify, in case anyone gets the wrong impression, you know, I'm not on the team plane.
0: Right. Oh Um, no. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I fly commercial. Right. (laughs) I think Um, there were some, some, uh, some drives from like Cleveland to Detroit, if I remember correctly.
1: That's actually true. Yes. Um, yeah, that's 100% true. I remember that that trip. It yeah. was a trip. Uh, <laughs> it was early fall it was beautiful, actually. Uh, now I'm trying to remember your question. Oh, okay, I got it. Um, well, I'll preface this by saying something that's probably the most important thing, that, that the people who have really suffered in the pandemic are the, are the people who've gotten sick, who've lost their lives, who've lost loved ones, uh, friends, uh, people who've... Who've lost work, lost their business, um, you know, people who have felt isolated, uh, people who haven't been able to see their family. That's the tragedy. That's the yes. tragedy. Nothing that what my peers and I and journalists, it's it's not comparable, nor am I ever suggesting it is. It's not. If we're solely looking to what best serves the public in terms of us being able to do our jobs and to inform the public about the, the teams, the franchises, the leagues that they love, we simp- we as journalists simply cannot do it as well under these circumstances uh, with this limited access. It, it, it shortchanges the journalists, that's correct, but far more importantly, it shortchanges the fans, the people who, who are who drive the whole business
0: why do you think that is
1: why do i think it short changes the fans yeah,
0: I, I just want to hear your it, it short changes that,
1: yeah. the fans because they are not getting the news that they deserve they're getting damn good stuff i acknowledge but that's because of because the people who do these jobs do it in a professional way and they're doing the best they can but our work would be better if we had the chance to um see see and interact with people face to face now let me again be clear we should not have been in the locker rooms this last year because of covid um it's just not it's just not feasible to do during a pandemic uh, of this of this extent but um you can't cover a team as well as you normally would if you're not physically around that team. If you're not having the chance to speak to people one-on-one, face-to-face, trying to get those different perspectives, trying to ask questions outside a large group, um, it's just not—it's just not possible. Now that's what's had to be, and uh, I understand why, and I even agree with it. But but now that we're starting to to turn a corner with vaccines, I think that we're, I know for a fact that the league has made a promise that we're going to return to the old ways because the old ways are the best ways uh, once it's safe. And the reality is, is that before vaccines, if you're two feet from someone in a crowd, Luke, you saw it when you were in the magic locker room, uh, it's problematic, right? But now that there are vaccines and recent data have shown just how effective they are, that's a very encouraging uh, bit of progress for all of us in all walks of our lives, and that does include uh, the profession I'm in. So,
0: we can look forward to you, uh, you know, following the team around. Uh, that that's that's pretty encouraging. So, thank you for that, Josh. Um, and thank you so much for, for joining us. That's really all that, that Luke and I had. Um, if you guys are not subscribed to The Athletic, what are you doing? Subscribe to The Athletic. There is, in my opinion, um, there's no better resource for fans that are following the Magic than, than the articles that, that Josh Robbins puts together. I think you do a, a phenomenal job. Um, I hope you know how appreciated you are by Magic fans. You know, around the league, we think that we have... Not only one of the best broadcast teams, um, but you covering the team is definitely a privilege that we have, and we appreciate that very much. I hope you know that.
1: Well, I hope I hope everybody knows how much I profoundly appreciate uh, you reading my work and uh, caring what I have to say. Uh, I put everything into it, and so um, to hear that, it's uh, it's very great. Frankly, and, it's great. And, it's yeah. Yeah,
2: and it's uh, we're gonna go all Vucevic
1: here. Oh boy, we're (laughs) ready for it. We're ready. It is appreciated. It is appreciated.
2: And if people want, if they, you know, if people aren't aware of the athletic and and your reporting and covering the magic, um, can you tell us exactly how they can find your work? Um, as well as where they can find you on Twitter.
1: Well, I do tweet out my articles at uh on Twitter at Joshua B. um, Mm robbins r-o-b-b-i-n-s uh three b's in there and you'll see the articles that i that i link to and if you click on that article and subscribe there on the prompt that will show up uh, love to have you love to have you
0: <laughs> people they've got a deal right now you, you sign up for a dollar a month i believe All it right. is for the first six months and then it's like what is it josh seven or eight dollars a month after that so just stop going to Starbucks so much people <laughs> no, no, subscribe no. to the athletic uh, just please. to,
1: and just to clarify, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds. It's not like I get a commission off of any article. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't. And that's not the case. That's not why you know, I believe, I believe in the product. I believe in what my colleagues are doing and uh, um, in all these sports, you know, if you, if you subscribe to something, um, one of my articles just as if you, if you were to subscribe on any of my colleagues articles you get the whole kit and caboodle now you get the whole you get not just the magic coverage you get the coverage of every single sport under the sun uh including uh european soccer uh so uh anyway you get your money, your money's
0: worth for sure yes for sure i, so- I do agree Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much, Josh, for joining us. Uh, we would love to have you on again sometime, uh, maybe uh, as the next season starts and we have hopefully one of these, with these draft picks, and, and we can look forward to having another conversation with you. And again, we look forward to seeing you uh, in the locker, the locker room again, covering this team. So. Again, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Uh, For Josh, Robbins, uh, for Luke, this has been Jonathan. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Six Man Show, and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!